How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going today, Dave? I I am tired. You're tired? Yeah. Late night? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for the guests that we're about to introduce, a uh, longtime listener, friend to the show, uh, went to college together, all around bro. Love sports. He loves it so much. Um, but no, he he, uh, he came up to visit, and we were hanging out. But we had a ridiculous amount of tasty food, and now my body is on uh, coast autopilot. Mm, mm-hmm. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, how's it going? I guess it's uh, tired. <laughs> it, it's a good thing that uh, I'm I'm doing all the talking this week. Yeah, yeah. Dave but what was funny is based off that intro, it sounded kind of like Mike hadn't been on the podcast, but like Mike is a recurring guest. Right? We've had <laughs> yeah. Mike before. Yeah, I I do like the insanity of Mike was up. He doesn't live nearby; it's like two hours away. So he came mm-hmm. up to hang out for like a day, and then he drove back this morning and is now recording with us. Yeah, but it's not like you and I get together on the weekly to record in person right now no never again (laughs) (laughs) i just like that we have our own remote locations Mm -hmm. our own bases of operation yeah i thought about seeing about you know should i just bring my microphone and we can record there right but you seem so you seem so adamant that i should go home and and do this recording with you guys (laughs) yeah i i put on a shoe so i could stomp my foot and say get out it's really awkward when you like it's like mornings arrived and he's just like, Hey, you know, like do can I get breakfast or something? Dave's like, Wait, are you still here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I throw yeah. a couple nickels, I'm like, that'll cover the cab fare, right? <laughs> oh man. No, it is I'm so we've got to as a minor aside, um have all of us gotten at least one shot of the vaccine? Mm-hmm. This is I like think, the newlywed game. Right. How many people well, have been married for? I didn't want to suppose, right? That's yeah. just rude to be like, oh, you're probably vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, actually, we, um, both of us have gotten both shots now. Both so. shots, cool. Pfizer? Uh, Moderna. Oh, get yeah. out of here, you mm-hmm. traitor. Right. right. It's like the Pokemon team in Pokemon Go. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. That's good. Like we've got uh, a couple more weeks. We just got the shot last, mm-hmm. the first shot last week. So Pfizer, another three yeah. weeks from now. <laughs> um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. It's like you can actually interact with people again. Yeah. Um, for Easter, we went to see family who were mostly vaccinated, so it made it easier to do. Um, but it was surprisingly. It was a surprisingly a very nice time and mm-hmm. very low anxiety. Um, I was fully expecting it to be just a a weekend of me staying as far away from people as possible, and instead right. it turned into a weekend of me kissing Annie's brother on the mouth. So mm-hmm. um, a whole right. weekend of that, goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I did say it was once, but it was many, many hours in a row. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's pretty great. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna be weird. 
I think like I'm going to have social conditioning for interacting with people. Like there's been times I've gone into the office to like do some work in the story room or something like that. And the uh, like IT's in there and we're all specifically like keeping this great distance, you know, Um, it's weird. Like having those conversations being like, Hey, what's up? All of that, like at a distance, but then it feels less natural to be closer now. Mm -hmm. Right. They start sending off like, this is not what I should be doing right now, like bells. It's like your personal space bubble has uh, greatly increased over the past year or so. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, are you guys going to be looking to... Because you have your next shot in a couple of weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's two weeks after that before they say, like, be hanging out with anybody. Right. Are you guys going to be looking to reintegrate into some degree of society? Or are you still want to, like, <laughs> hold off until more people are vaccinated healthy following guidelines right i mean it's we're probably just gonna do the the guidelines thing which is like if we're meeting with people that are also vaccinated then you know don't have to worry about masks otherwise we'll we'll continue to wear masks until it's no longer advised but just the peace of mind will be nice Mm -hmm. um with the wife's illness and stuff so which I'll just leave vague, I guess, because <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> she can't have too many marshmallows. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to things like, you know, land party or Halloween party or um, just little social engagements and stuff like that. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Because like the other, hmm? the, the other thing is, like, if someone comes over to drop something off, it's always like, like a nuclear exchange deal right now where it's like, all right, you, know, you put the thing on the ground. I put the thing on the ground. We'll both like one of us will go up, grab the thing. Then the other person goes up, grab the, like we have literal handoffs, like not in person I've done in the, um, like over the pandemic, like I was giving our uh, friend AJ, uh, like, uh, SSD. I like had it in a plastic baggie. I placed it on the ground, stepped back. He stepped forward and grabbed it. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's I mean, going to be weird to go from that to like, you should come into the apartment. I mean, that's just standard protocol with AJ, isn't it? Like <laughs> right. non-pandemic times. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get too close to him. He might bite you or something. Right. Start talking to you about Stellaris or FTL or something. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. No space games. Thank you. <laughs> space games are great, but um, you know what's not a space game? What? What is it? <laughs> right. Tell me. I was just, just going to wait. Uh, so, Curse of the Dead Gods is what I hear. I don't think it's a space game, at least. Correct me if I'm wrong. It is absolutely not a space game. Yeah. Good. All right. Shoot. All right. One, one for one. One for one. End episode. Yeah. There we go. So, I was going st- <laughs> to start with the uh, tradition I've been trying to continue, or at least start with uh, staying the Steam tags first. And let me see if these are applicable to the actual game. Uh, would you say that it's an action roguelike dark fantasy isometric action game? <laughs> All of the above, yes. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Good, good job, Steve. <laughs> so, Mike, you've obviously played this the most, and you're kind of bringing this as like the guest topic. Mm-hmm. What were your initial thoughts going into it? Like, what made you pick it up? Is it like the isometric space? What What drew you in? Uh, it was mostly the art style and. Uh, just the roguelike gameplay um you know it it 
had come out in early access um and when it hit early access it was it was pretty big on the steam front page um or and uh because it was early access i skipped it i mm -hmm. didn't really look at it I actually went to the trouble of adding it to my ignored games list <laughs> um but um when it approached 1.0 you know it got a lot of good press and um so i went watched some some content creators playing it and thought hey you know this looks really good uh, looks like it could be akin to a game like hades um but is unique in its own right and um it's just it yeah it's really enjoyable to play it's it's hard but it feels good when you do well does that something sound like something that would interest you jake or are you going like how close is it to Hades? Yeah, I mean, well, spoilers. I, I watched the trailer and I added it to my wish list this morning. But um, <laughs> beyond that, it seems it seems like a little different than Hades to me. Like Hades mm -hmm. seemed, it looks Hades is ultra action packed. Like everything cancels into everything. Yep. You can like start an animation and immediately be like, "Nah, I actually want to dash across the screen right now." Mm -hmm. um, and this looked like at least with some of the heavier weapons, it seemed much more deliberate and like you were locked in to attacks. I don't know if that's actually the game or not, but at least based off of the gameplay trailer, it really seemed like it was much more deliberate, cautious sort of approach. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the press that curse of the dead gods got, um, at least post 1.0, uh, there were a lot of comparisons to Hades, a lot of mentions mm -hmm. of Hades. Um, there are a few similarities between the games, um, you know, isometric uh, action, uh, roguelike. Um, but it's it's kind of, it's unfair to Curse of the Dead Gods to compare it to Hades. And it's also a little unfair to Hades to compare Curse of the Dead Gods to it. Like they're, they're kind of in the same space, but they are, they are pretty, um, pretty unique in their own right um and as much as i hate to say it the 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 replayability is probably much higher in hades mm -hmm. than it is in curse of the dead gods um hades is very story driven right um even if you don't realize it's story driven it is story driven Actually, how can you not realize it's story driven? Um, <laughs> if you mash through all of the dialogue paths, yeah. Why does people keep talking to me? Yeah, but so Curse of the Dead Gods is very much not. It's it's much more traditional in the roguelike manner in that it's a very loose story, um, but it's not the focus. You know, the the gameplay is is the priority in the game. Yeah. Um, so is it still like a hack and slash like Hades? It is. Um, it's a little more combat. I shouldn't even I shouldn't even say it's more combat focused. Combat is um, more akin to something like a Dark Souls. So mm -hmm. um, you can block. That's what you, like. you can block. You can parry. Um, you can actually. Uh, there's there is a dash mechanic. It's it's rolling. Um, mm. And Bless. you can <laughs> very you Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, you can animation cancel. So if you're in the middle of swinging a weapon and you realize, oh, I need to parry or I need to roll, you can do that. You're not locked into um, locked into your an attack animations, which is very helpful. It would be a much harder game if you could not do that. 
Yeah, I was I was gonna say it looked kind of like people were locked into it, but I wasn't sure if that was just an effect of the That's footage they picked streamer, trailer, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I am very much a fan of not being locked into animations and any sort of like trap shooting lasers at you, enemies with projectiles, bullet hell type game. Mm-hmm. Even if I know it's not really a bullet hell game, but it feels like it when <laughs> you don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it. It is um, there are a lot of, of, of nice little mechanics that they have added since early access that that definitely make it a lot more enjoyable to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel like it's uh, very much I found myself a lot of the time saying, okay, well, I just died. Cool. Oh, but wait, one more run. Um, there, gotcha. there yeah. was a very strong sense of that. Um, that's yeah. essential in a roguelike, right? Just be like, ah, oh, I got to get back in there. Yeah. I like, can fix that. I can do that better. Yeah. Like, you know, okay. Yes. The, the game is difficult. Yeah. If I mess up and don't play very well, then I'm probably not going to make it to the end of the game. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is enjoyable enough that you, you don't want to snap the controller in half and throw it against the wall. Um, right. And those are two really good marks of a good roguelike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the, is the game like, is the core concept similar to something like Hades? You're going room by room. You're picking a path, like making your way up to bosses, like seeing if your build can make it all the way through. Yeah. So it's it's actually an interesting combination of mechanics from, from various games. Um so it is it is all RNG. Um you but you have a map similar to Slay the Spire. So um there are different rooms with different and rewards for those rooms. Um and as you pick your path, it locks other rooms out. Um and then eventually you'll hit a, a champion, a mini boss, or um the final boss if you make it to the end. Um mm-hmm. the spire. Yeah. Um but in those, so on the map, those are rooms. When you enter a room, it's actually a series of randomly generated interconnecting uh, puzzle pieces, basically. Um, mm-hmm. You you do start to recognize rooms and connectors after a while. The, the, the number of unique rooms that they piece together, it, it feels like it could be more. But right. um, it's not so it's not so few that it's like walking into the same room over and over and over again. Gotcha. Right. Um, but you're saying you recognize things kind of like breakable walls, like in Isaac. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, there's really, there's no getting lost when you enter a room, uh, there are diverging paths, but those paths always lead to the exit. Um, hmm. if you go a certain direction, you might, uh, come across some, some trap filled rooms and you go another path, you might not see many traps at all. Um, same with enemies. Um, and you know, there are oftentimes there are better rewards for going down different paths, uh, within a room. Um, so like, uh, it sounds, you mentioned traps and things like that. I know that was a minor part of Hades, um, 
like there was environmental hazards is probably the better way to put it in Hades, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, just don't step here. You're going to take damage if you step here. Yeah. For the most part. And then maybe some saw blades, which is, you know, thanks to Indiana Jones, it has to be in everything. Right. But um, do they, how do, how do traps like play into this game? Are they like a similar role? Because this is, it was sort of emphasized a little bit more in the trailer than mm-hmm. I thought it would be. It had like a lot of gameplay space seemed to be this guy dodging away from traps like he's you know yeah. I, I would say or something yeah I, I would say traps play a much bigger role in the game um there's um a, to kind of sidestep that but then to come back um there's a lightness light and darkness mechanic in the game if you're Ooh. in the light you can see traps around you if you're in dark you can't really see them until you're on top of them if you're in the light, you deal more damage. If you're in the dark, you take more damage. Ah, hmm. all that to say, um, you have an equi- uh, a torch that is always equipped. If you have your torch out, um, you can see like the glint on traps, or you can see traps before you get to them. Mm-hmm. So um, there is a fair bit of of trap dodging, um, which you can even you know. Uh, use the traps to your advantage traps do damage enemies so Hmm. you know you lure a a, an enemy that's on relatively low health to stand in front of a statue that is going to do an attack that statue is going to kill the enemy for you and it makes your life just a little bit easier Um, right and you actually can get rewards for doing that Hmm. so what would the disadvantage be of just having the torch out at all times because you said having the torch out means you deal more damage in the light mm-hmm. and you're not taking extra damage from being in the dark and you can see where the traps are so you're mm-hmm. less likely to fuck yourself over so the thing is if you have your torch out you can't have your weapons out oh okay. oh yeah yep <laughs> so um i imagine one hand in one hand so yeah yeah so you can use your torch to light um sconces uh various light sources in the map that may not be already be lit um mm-hmm. Some some areas are well lit. Most areas are dark, but most of the areas that are dark can be lit up by use of your torch. The Legend of Zelda thing. Yep. <laughs> Get your deck of stick and run around. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as you know, weapons and combat, you have um, you do have a two handed system. Uh, you have your main hand and your off hand, um, and then you also have a slot for two handed weapons. So. Um, but yeah, having your torch out to be able to see where you're going and, and detect traps ahead of time precludes you from using said weapons. And there is okay. actually, there's a, a bit of a delay but when you're switching between weapon sets. So you kind of have to prepare before you jump into the middle of a fight or else it gives the enemies a, an opportunity to, to get a couple hits in on you quick. Hmm. How dark is dark? You can still see like the room layout. Um, okay. and for the most part, you can always see the enemies, uh, but traps will basically be completely invisible to you. Okay. Um, some statues will like in a particular area of the game, there's statues that will shoot out like a lightning ball and you can see the statue, but you can't tell if it's a trap or not. Some, some statues don't do anything. So that's, that's where having your light out makes a difference is that you can, see the glint on the statue and know that it's a trap so you can avoid it. Um, gotcha. But like floor spikes, 
are completely invisible until they start their animation of attack and you have maybe half a second to react Oof. and <laughs> roll out of the way. So um, I did find myself a lot like between fights, I would always have my torch out. Um, and then in fights, I would almost always be fighting in darkness um, just because it's either too much of a pain in the ass to light the room up or mm. um, some of your light sources can actually be destroyed. So ah. if you light up, a pe light up a sconce and then a big enemy does a heavy attack and destroys it, then you've just wasted a little bit of time. So, Right. The, I, I wanted to mention the light thing, because as you're going into detail on the torch, this keeps uh, reminding me of Darkest Dungeon, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, both the art style looks very Darkest Dungeon to me. Like, I get that cell shading's not new, right? But even within that, it seems uh, kind of kind of similar. And then the light just reminds me of that even more, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, you have bright light. Here's your downside. You have, like, the little dim light. Everyone's freaking out and losing it, you mm -hmm. know? Um, yeah, I would say that's actually probably a pretty good, a pretty good way to describe the game is is a cross between Hades and Darkest Dungeon. Just um, you get Things the art style. You. <laughs> yeah, you get the art style, and you get the the um, kind of the the psychological elements from Darkest Dungeon, and then you get right. some gameplay elements from Hades. So when you say psychological elements from Darkest Dungeon, this is, see, this is where my concern comes in, because I don't know if I'm on record on the podcast or not for saying this, but like Darkest Dungeon is a game that in theory I would love, but mm -hmm. in practice, I cannot play it because it stresses me out too much. Like mm -hmm. the characters are stressed and they're like having mental breakdowns, but I'm having it worse mm -hmm. over here in my chair because I know that they could just die to a crit or something like that. Right. So like how how does the psychological what are the psychological aspects of um, curse of the dead gods so um the the main um gameplay mechanic that is constantly pushing you forward or is is kind of your your risk reward mechanic is mm -hmm. uh called corruption so um as you go from room to room on the map every time you enter a door you gain some corruption once it gets to a certain level, uh, I think by default it's a hundred. Um, once you hit that level, you will then gain a curse. Okay. Um, most of the curses are purely detrimental. Some of the curses are largely detrimental, but have an, have a bonus that is actually pretty useful. And then mm -hmm. there are actually a couple curses that are just flat out um, more beneficial than negative hmm. is there examples Do yeah no um so the the one curse that i will always try to get and keep is um all chests that you open are traps mm. and you can parry them and if you parry them uh you don't take any damage and it has the chance to drop two rewards instead of one ah but if you don't Double parry it deals like 100 or 250 damage to you um your starting health is is a thousand so it's not an insignificant hit right um, but what is a reward from a chest is that like a new item to equip is it a power up it can be yeah so um it typically falls into three categories you have 
your weapons. It can be pretty much any weapon would drop. Um, it could be a relic, which is kind of your, kind of like your your passive pickup that can give you an additional. Um, it, it can give you an additional uh, way to get a reward. Say, um, uh, for instance, one is fifty uh, percent damage you take, you gain as gold. So. You don't want to take damage, but if you are getting hit, you're at least getting something out of it. Right. That would be very beneficial for players such yeah. as myself. <laughs> and and so relics can be, um, they can have one of those on them. They can have just a stat boost on them, or they can have one of each. Um, so those are, that's how you kind of scale yourself. Um, and then another chess also just drop gold, just straight up gold. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I think once you gain that curse, you no longer get gold out of a chest you're, you're guaranteed to get an item drop oh okay what would you use gold for otherwise like are there shop nodes throughout there are there are two or three three different kinds of shop nodes there's um a weapon a weapon shop there's a an upgrade shop and there's a relic shop so um and because of the way it's laid out you can choose to okay, I, I know I want to upgrade my weapons, so I'm going to go to this upgrade shop, or I, I know I want to change out my weapons, so I'm going to go to this weapon shop. And mm-hmm. sometimes uh, there are random rooms that you sometimes have to go through, and it can be any room tile. So sometimes you'll just stumble across them in, in one of these random rooms. That's hmm. the worst feeling, I think. Like, at least when I play Slay the Spy, I'm like, all right, I'm saving up my money. I'm going this path and I'm going the other thing because I need to spend my money here. And then it gives me a random question mark in that path of like, it's the shop. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. how would you like three shops? Just one right after the other. Yeah. So, yeah. So you use golden shops, but there's also, there's alternate currency in that. Um, the most common other currency, uh, there's ways you can change the secondary currency, but uh more often than not, your secondary currency is going to be corruption. You can mm-hmm. you can take on corruption to get something for free, basically. Ah, okay, devil uh, like deal. alone. <laughs> yeah, like a devil deal. Um, so, interesting. It sounds like there's a lot of mechanics for progression, like at play here. Um, mm-hmm. You also mentioned like switching out weapons in the middle of a run. Up until that point, I thought it was still sort of like a Hades, like you picked your weapon at the start of the run, and that was just your type. But it seems like that's not the case. Yeah, you can. Uh, more often than not, I found myself um, opting to stick with the weapons that I started with. Um, hmm. uh, early on in the game, you have a set choice, and you don't get any other choice of weapon that you want to start with. Um, right. As you progress, you can unlock different bundles of weapons. It gives you up to four choices of a primary, a secondary, and a heavy weapon. Mm-hmm. And you can choose which one you want to take. Um, so as you progress, you can. You 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 always have a main hand, an offhand, and a two-handed. You'll, I shouldn't say always. Early on in the game, you may not start with a two-handed, but mm-hmm. you'll always start with a, a main hand and an offhand. Hmm. Um, so there are... Like- Sorry, I'm timing this poorly. Is the main hand better at damage and then the offhand is better at something else? 
or are they just like different weapon animations you can be like this will be my backup for fast attacks or this might be for room clear yeah so typically your main hand is going to be like a quick a quick weapon um that can deal light to medium damage um your offhand is going to be more utility like it might be a shield the shield isn't required to block but um shields give you like a shield bash which can stun right. enemies, which is useful. Um, or it might be like a dagger that d- deals poison damage. Uh, so your your offhand weapon is typically going to be more utility than your main hand. And then your two-handed is going to be big, chunky hits. But, right. Um, your hunting horn. Every swing or every shot with a bow takes up a, a point of stamina. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's the other difference between the, the, the main hand, offhand and two hand main hand and, and offhand, um, your attacks are free until you finish a combo. Um, when you finish a combo, it's, it's called a finisher in the game. Um, it consumes a point of stamina. So if you don't have a point of stamina, you can't finish a combo. You'll just like kind of weakly swing. Um, and for my final hit uh. (laughs) so it's kind of a trade-off you know with with two-handed weapons you're getting big chunky hits and they're very satisfying but every swing takes stamina versus getting a bunch Hmm. of little light attacks in and then getting out of there for little to no stamina cost so you could like vary that up for the encounter you'd be Mm -hmm. like oh this this is this looks like a big guy and if i get hit it's gonna be the end of me so i'm gonna stick to light options things that like save stamina presumably it takes stamina to dodge to like it does so yeah Yeah. so a single point gains you uh, a roll uh depending on the timing of your roll um i think the the term they use is um perfect dodge or something like that um Mm -hmm. If you dodge as the attack would connect, you actually get that dodge for free. And there's uh, okay. there's like a little um, a little aura effect that surrounds your player to let you know that that dodge was free, hmm. um, which is useful because most of the time you're not looking at anything outside of the periphery. You're the, lo- yeah, just the, the foreground. You're not checking. Um, yeah. From when I watch you play, though, I do really like the stamina system as far as. If we're comparing to a Dark Souls, we obviously have a stamina meter where your actions will take stamina. Mm-hmm, but yeah. I never fucking know with Dark Souls how much it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Now, with mm-hmm. rolling, I can guess because I see it enough. But with certain weapon attacks or magical attacks, it just disappears a portion of my bar. So it's hard mm-hmm. to right. do an attack and then plan, do I have enough to roll away to reposition or something else? It's kind yeah. of... It's kind of interesting that like the the bar in video games is like the accepted standard now because it's it looks more aesthetically pleasing than the pips. Mm-hmm. Um, but certain games that, that never stopped using a pip like system, like Legend of Zelda, for instance, still has the hearts, and you know, like oh, if I get hit with this, I take three like quarters of a heart or mm-hmm. I take two hearts or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you can just mathematically know that, right? Mm-hmm. And Dark Souls is very much not that. They're they're all bars I, instead of pips. At least for um FP or stamina consumption, I feel like depending on what you have slotted, it should 
maybe indicate like, hey, it's going to take this much of the bar. Mm-hmm. And you're like, cool, I know. Or maybe like it's a an option to can... bar, even. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how many rolls you have. Something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, it can't calculate damage per. That would be weird. Mm-hmm. There are 13 enemies nearby. You have 13 extra lines on your bar. If one of them hits you, <laughs> this is how much damage it will do. That'd be a little bit nuts. Yeah. But I was going to say, the pips for the character are on the character. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. don't have to kind of look in the top left, like, how we doing, coach? Mm, okay. Yeah, so the, yeah, so the way the UI is laid out, um, like mid-combat, most of your relevant information, which is your stamina, um, is readily available on the character. Um, your Your health and your corruption are you know, bars at the bottom, but, you know, you aren't really focusing on those in, in combat so that those are good places for them. Right. Either have enough health or you don't, let's be honest. Right. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> that's just life. <laughs> I will say though, um, I also, in watching Mike play, there were times where he did look at his health because he was looking to get hit by things that would give him curse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that is a hundred percent, a mechanic. So, um, with the curses that you get, uh, like the double rewards from chest, um, when you defeat a boss, you have a chance to lift one of your curses. And mm-hmm. if you only have one curse, it just chooses that curse. You don't have the option to keep it. Gotcha. You have to lose a curse. So if you get that early in your run and you get to a boss or, you know, a boss is coming up and you don't want to lose that, that curse that you you've cultivated, mm-hmm. um, yeah, 100% just let enemies give curse to you until, or give corruption to you until you are going to gain another curse and hmm. then throw that curse away. Um, there are very few curses that just outright will screw you over. Um, right. I think there's there's definitely one, but you really have to, really, really have to try to get there. Um, you have to try and screw yourself before it screws you. <laughs> yeah, so... It's it's the quote unquote final curse. If you you can the killing curse, right? You can get four and remove those four, um, but once you get the fifth curse, the fifth curse is you just gradually lose HP until you're at one HP. Oh, um, which is a huge <laughs> huge pain. Um, so yeah, like the, there's there's very few curses that will actively just make the game impossible to play. Right, that's good. Um, so. It, it's very much a strategy of, okay, I really want to keep this curse. Let me gain another one. And then hopefully that's not one of the really, really bad pain in the ass ones. And then I can just use that as fodder. Um, I, I, I like those systems. I think actually we, we all do. I know like, so I have more familiarity with like Hades than Binding of Isaac, but they all have a system like this, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, chaos rooms, right? Like I'm just like, Hey, how's it going, Master Chaos? Let's get this rolling, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll move at negative 90% speed through the next five rooms if I get double money. Yeah. That's what we're going for here, you know? Like Dashes I, constantly. I, exactly, right? <laughs> That's the only form of movement. Um, like, I, I really like systems like that because it kind of lends an extra layer of... Um, like engagement to the game. Like if you're getting used to it, if you're not confident in your ability to clear 
then you can like avoid those sort of like optimizations, like purposely getting a negative curse or something like that. Mm-hmm. That might have a good trade off. Like I feel like Dave could speak to Binding of Isaac better than I could, but um, I know that game also has a lot of uh, trade off like abilities. Yeah. Um, it definitely does. I haven't played in a bit. I know they added a lot of new content with um, Repentance. But I think typically, if you're getting an upgrade, it has a bonus. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, there might be some downside like Cursed Eye. You can charge and save up to like four shots and then let them all out at once. But every time you get hit, there's a chance that it will teleport you somewhere else. So if you have that and then you're doing a boss encounter, um, you might fail constantly because you can never (laughs) actually get through the whole thing without being hit once and that triggering. Right. Yeah, I also know like Devil Rooms were a big thing. Like oh, I, yeah, I that's... unlocked Azazel and I only played Azazel, but you could get similar effects from Devil Rooms. Yeah. But yeah, that's giving up some of like your max health or something to that effect to gain a power bonus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like early on, if you're a new player, you definitely don't want to give up health because that's your your way of moving forward. But then yeah. as you get more accustomed to the game, more confident, you're like, I'm not going to get hit. Three hearts is fine. You're willing to take on that risk. Do you think like there, it's a similar corollary to a curse of the dead gods here. Like there's mechanics you didn't necessarily want to engage with, or maybe they weren't even unlocked. Like when you start the game that eventually you're like, all right, now that you're an optimization pro mm-hmm. you're engaging with them more. Yeah. Um, yeah, early on, like you, you, at least I tended towards uh, never taking, um, never buying something with corruption. Like I, I would always buy with gold. Um, right. Early on, uh, you know, I would prioritize taking weapons over stat boosts. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that, that optimization of, okay, well, if I really want to get to the end game, then I know I need to get to a certain point with my stats. So I'm going to prioritize stats and relics over um, weapon rooms. Um, and you get used to um, knowing where like your stats really need to be like, okay, I, I have enough of this stat I can focus on other stats or I have enough of this stat I can focus on picking up a relic instead of more stats. Um, Attack speed and lifesteal. Probably not even stats in this game, but it doesn't matter what the game is. Go attack speed and lifesteal. Yep. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You have you have three three stats: um, constitution, dexterity, and perception. Perception is basically luck. Uh, mm-hmm. The more you have, the more gold you find, which gotcha. is useful. Um, but once you get get it to a certain point, you don't really need it anymore. I, like, I just had. I like the idea of that. Like you go into a chest, you're like, I got a loot chest. And you just grab like three coins, you're like a handful. Mm-hmm. You just kind of like lightly put your hand nearby without like fully opening the chest. You just <laughs> right. creak it open, you touch it quick and go. Yeah. And the more the perceptive opens the chest, be like, oh, I got a whole bag of money. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Just open the bag, grab some coins off the top and go. That's, yeah. That's yeah, pretty great. It, it, um, it's your magic find or greed stat yeah it it's it's kind of it's not super intuitive of what it what exactly it does it it tells you if you look at the ui but um that's nobody looks at ui yeah it's in a (laughs) that's not what it's for (laughs) and the way it's worded is it's a little confusing it's um 
uh, X percent more treasure find or something like that. Ah, yeah. Instead of you find X percent more gold. Um, Gotcha. I I did want to ask while this is going on the uh, so the make or break for me with Mm -hmm. roguelikes is like, is there a meta progression system that is uh, like sturdy enough or robust enough, I should say, um, to accommodate for someone who doesn't play that good, such as myself for games like Hades, because like the, the reason like I I don't usually play that many roguelikes, um, but I and just, it like, shows. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> right. Like, well, the rest of this argument statement really shows it. Um, Isaac, what's that? But I played like 70 hours of Hades or some nonsense. Mm-hmm. And most of that was in, was in like two weeks. It was mm-hmm. insane. Um, but like the reason was because I was constantly unlocking things mm-hmm. that made the game like more accessible, more diverse, and also easier, actually, if I'm being completely honest. Because uh, the character just got better. So, like, what systems like that exist for Curse of the Dead Gods? Yeah, so outside of... Um, when you beat a boss, you'll gain a currency called Jaguar Rings. Um, as you're defeating <laughs> enemies and you defeat a boss, you'll also find uh, Crystal Skulls. And these are your right. two, like, progression currencies. Um there are there's a few different kinds of unlocks um you can give yourself like more re-rolls so if you get to a shop and you don't like what's on display you can re-roll with divine favor and uh you can i think gain up to 10 re-rolls per run thing um it's a lot of d6s it is uh there's a lot of weapon unlocks um as you find weapons as you're going through your run um there are some hidden weapons that you have to meet very specific requirements for. And even then it's a chance drop. Um, but there, you know, there are probably 60 or 70 different weapons. Um, oh, wow. Most of which you get for free because as you find them, you just get them. Um, but there are enough to unlock that um, it, it, as you unlock these weapons, the weapons are usually more powerful. So, it, it gives you a little bit of an edge. Um, are those permanent? Like those unlocks when you're saying you're like buying weapons, you're finding weapons. Those are just going back to the, to the shack. Or yeah. is that item pool? Like they go Isaac. into the item pool. Yeah. Okay. okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All yeah. Right. Um, uh, you can improve um, like your array of starting weapon choices. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, you, when you start the game, you have a machete and a shield, I think. It's like left fist, right fist. <laughs> All right, get in that game. And you can unlock team. up to like four pedestals that have an assortment of three weapons on them. So mm-hmm. um, that is usually beneficial because, you know, better starting weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are uh, pretty much, uh, I want to say passive, passive modifiers um, that can range from like you start with a certain amount in a stat or a certain amount of gold. Um, one of them that I, I keep on always is every time you parry, it refills your stamina. Um, oh. Um, and before I miss a lot of parries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, is, that is one thing about the game is it, it really wants you to parry, but sometimes you really cannot, um, which I guess is where the role comes in. But I always try to parry anyway and then just right. take damage. 
Um, <laughs> it's incoming laser beam. I yeah. can parry that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you've you've got your your run modifying passives. You've got your weapons. You've got um, your starting choices, and then you've got your um, re- in in run re rolls that you can gain more or very more varied choices for, um, and that typically it does it does help make the runs easier. Right. That's um, good. If you're so- if you're struggling with, you know you need to buy stats early or buy something early, you know, throw on the gold, the one that gives you a thousand gold to start. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're having a hard time dealing damage, there's uh, one that as you build your combo meter, uh, you gain damage. But as soon as you get hit, your combo meter gets reset Uh, to zero. So then you have to build it up again. But that's a trap. That's, that's the type (laughs) of thing where you're like, I could see this being pretty good, but then you, know, you play like I do, and it doesn't ever provide you a bonus. Right. <laughs> right. Even technically, if you hit somebody twice, you, you're mm-hmm. doing more damage. Mm-hmm. So it's still like That's a right. net benefit. It just might not be as impactful as you would yeah. have hoped if you're getting I play it, kicked a lot. I play it turn-based, though. So I need to hit them. <laughs> I give them a chance to get a, a fair swing in. Yeah. RuneScape rules, boys. <laughs> Nothing below the waist. and the way the combo system works is normally like between combats you like as soon as you're out of combat your combo meters winding down right Um, batman rolls right uh but that (laughs) that same modifier will actually keep your your combo meter between encounters so you can Ah. do really well in in an encounter build that combo meter up to 10 or 12 and then go into the next fight with 12 or I think it's 1% per per counter. So you would enter the next fight with 12% extra okay. damage. So it's not bad. And then there are modifiers you can get to like slow the wind down. So there mm-hmm. are, it does encourage you to build your combo meter and keep your combo meter up. So tempo plus precision basically. Right. Yeah. And then avoidance, which mm-hmm. real life avoidance doesn't really <laughs> that's what video games is for but yeah <laughs> yeah so what would be your ideal run like do you have an item or passive or curse that you're looking for every time you play like it could be whatever but i'm really i would love if i got these these items what mm-hmm. makes you lean forward <laughs> yeah um so of the when you get your starting weapon choices if there's a pedestal that has a crappy op- a crappy main hand and a crappy offhand, but a really good two-handed, I will almost always take that. Yeah. Um, I, there's a, a couple different classes of two-handed weapons that let you break walls. Um, otherwise, you have to get enemies to break the walls. So if I can choose to break the walls myself, I will always take one of those heavy two-handed weapons. Right. Um, Curse-wise, yeah, I'm, I'm always looking to get double rewards from chess it's just it's too good um, yeah and then pretty much anything that gives you lifesteal there are a couple weapons that give you lifesteal on crit and there are a couple weapons that i should say there's a couple relics that give you lifesteal on hit and there's a couple weapons that have varying uh ways for doing crits like all the time um, uh. so it'll be like five percent of a crit will heal you 
hit for 10, you, you heal for two. Um, that's, I, I think it's uh, pretty much the meta for making it to the late game. Like you, you have to have life steal somehow. Ah, uh, okay. Hmm. I assume that's probably like the only way to regain health. Cause typically roguelikes give you very few ways to gain health back. Health is your quarters. If yeah. this is an arcade analogy. <laughs> yeah. There are actually healing rooms. Uh, I think they're guaranteed after the, after, after each mini boss. Um, but to heal, you gain corruption. So uh, it, it's not free. Um, so another mechanic, uh, and this relates to healing. Um, when you come across a new drop, say a weapon, a relic, um, you can look at it. And if you don't think it fits your build, um, or you just don't want it, or the the boon you gain is too good, you can sacrifice it to the gods. So as long as you haven't equipped it, when you look at it, you can sacrifice it to the gods and it'll do things like heal. I think the maximum is like it'll heal 12% of your health or mm-hmm. it'll, re- it'll take away like 12 corruption or it'll give you a permanent stat boost, which those are the ones... Those are the really good ones, the the permanent stat boosts. Um, and then there are just there are some relics that will just flat out as you pass through a door, you gain X amount of health back. And those are usually good to have. At least one of those is usually good to have. Right. Um, they give you options, but not all of the options are convenient. Convenient, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. At least with the healing rooms, you're always guaranteed to have an opportunity to heal, but you do have to pay a price for it. Um, mm. There's no, there's no uh, Hades style. I made this purchase for diamonds, and now there's just free health rooms and nope. throughout uh, Asphodel no. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, you know, if if you're finding drops and you really need health, usually you're gonna any drop that is going to heal you, you're going to immediately sacrifice it because, you know, okay, this wep- this weapon might do 10 or 15 more damage per hit, but if, if I'm going to die because I have no health, then I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to sacrifice right. it and take the health. Um, so I guess that does have an associated cost with this could make you stronger, but it's not going to restore your HP at all. I usually I usually picked whatever decision path resulted with like not having any health for mm-hmm. the encounter where I needed health. I was mm-hmm. just like, oh yeah, just keep <laughs> giving the upgrades to me, max it's, health, man. Uh, don't don't care about that. <laughs> it's called like the full tilt risk. Mm-hmm. Every time I do slay the spire, I do that. I'm like, well, if I deal more damage, I'll take less damage. Uh-huh. So I'll start fighting elites with like, uh, you draw one extra card, and I'm like, this is plenty, and then I'll get my ass stomped and. <laughs> And it's uh, not a good time. But like with Hades, um, because I could control all of the outcome there with movement and combat, uh, it much more facilitates having that risk to, oh, yeah, I'm going to shit a lot of extra damage and take 15% extra damage. It's fine because I won't get hit. Or I have other things to mitigate it by dashing around. Yeah. Yeah, I find myself falling into the same pattern of oh this weapon does big chunky hits I'm going to use this weapon even though 
it might not be the best fit for the fight. 30 frames right. later, I'm coming to get you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it, it fits that, that risk reward, you know, nipping in, getting up a couple of hits off and dodging out versus I'm just going to swing and hope for the best. Sometimes you need a strength build, you know? Yeah. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and That's you, you can how I always did Dark Souls. <laughs> you can 100% do a strength build. It, it is hard to stack a stat, though. Um, yeah. You can, you can only take items that have a particular stat boost, but you're really, you're really hamstringing yourself if you do that. Um, Cause you know, I've, I've had a run, have runs before where, you know, I, I want to get to a certain point with dexterity because that gives you extra damage. And then I see nothing but perception or constitution. So <laughs> you, you do have, kind of have to adapt on the fly, but for yeah. the, for the most part, it, it doesn't hinder you too much with the RNG for stats. Okay. Mm -hmm. How have you enjoyed the bosses or specific enemies? Are there any that really stand out of like, this was a cool design or is mm -hmm. it kind of generic or is it, I fucking hate this guy. I hate that guy. That guy's a real son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, fuck harpies. They're, mm. they are the worst enemy. Um, they can, they target you. They can target you from across the room, which affects the length of their animation, which also affects when you can parry them. Ah, uh, so there's a lot of variance in, in how they attack. That just makes it really hard to parry. Um, I think all of the bosses are fairly unique in their designs. They each have gimmicks. They each have, um, they do each have their own patterns that you have to learn. Um, but I don't think there's a single boss that, you know, you really need to have a certain build to beat. Like just gotcha. about any build can beat any boss. Um, there is uh, the difficulty spike is pretty, pretty dramatic. Um, you know, the, the way it's laid out is, you know, the first time you go into the, each of the temples, you only go to the first mini boss and, you know, I cleared each of those in maybe one or two attempts. So I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, baby game for babies. And then, <laughs> um, when I got to the air temple, uh, for the second time, so I had to go through two mini bosses um, it took a good 60 or 70 attempts for me to get to that mini boss. And God damn. it was mostly down to my own incompetence, but at the same time, um, it just, it felt, high like, variance. it felt like a really, really sharp kick in the teeth. Um, there are a lot of enemies in that temple that have varied, uh, attack animations and it's really hard to parry. And if you, you're really stuck on parrying, then you forget to dodge and then you just take a bunch of damage. Um, As I've always said, iframes are my frames. <laughs> I will dodge 99 times out of a hundred. And then at one point be like, Oh, Perry's a thing. And then whiff that horribly. Yeah. Right. Each of the temples does have a theme. So fire, air, poison. Um, which, which one attacked first? <laughs> Was it poison? Poisonation probably attacked first. <laughs> I, I we don't hear a lot about poisonation, actually. I knew that was a was a avatar reference and <laughs> you got me. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, overall, enemy design, um, just each region, each temple design, uh, there, mm-hmm. there's some similarities, some, some overlaps as far as, you know, shapes of rooms go, but traps, um, enemies, bosses are, are reasonably unique per, per area, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, and do you pick a temple for a run? You're like, okay, this run we're doing air temple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Late, I think later in the game, um, you're basically running through a temple that mixes everything. So gotcha. Um, Rainbow temple. Yeah. So you might see two different enemies from two different temples in a single encounter, um, mm-hmm. which can, I don't think I've run into anything that's been any mix of enemies that's been like truly run ending, but I imagine there's probably a mix of every heavy enemy from every temple in a single room. <laughs> it's just going to be a bad time. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like at least with the floors in like a Hades sense, a lot of those enemies obviously gets more progressively difficult, mm-hmm. but they all seem to kind of fit together. Mm-hmm. But when you're going through the, uh, the sticks and everything's like out to poison you, Mm-hmm. you obviously play a, a much different way or you hope your bills on online to stay at range and deal with them and not get poisoned all the time. So like kind of mashing some of those together, like enemies from like the second area where they're jumping around a lot versus something else. That's like staying at range and trying to shoot at you mm-hmm. would definitely cause a lot of grief in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you get used to playing a certain way. Then it's like, shaka shaka how about this Mm. yeah i will say that's that's a a a thing about hades that i wasn't particularly fond of you know you Mm. you kind of had to it felt like ranged builds were more powerful than melee builds because of sticks you know if you were in close swinging a melee weapon and getting poisoned it kind of makes you not want to get in close and hit enemies um at least with curse of the dead gods any weapon any attack is dodgeable or parryable so um there's no there's none of that oh you killed an enemy or this enemy is trying to poison you um good luck you know if you if you're wielding melee um Mm -hmm. any any weapon that you're using in curse can can finish an enemy and result in you not taking any damage. Whereas it, it didn't feel like that that was possible in Hades. Counter argument. Shield of Chaos. Best weapon in the game. So freaking good. Yeah. It's pretty strong. I've decided to stop taking damage. And to do this, I will hold left click. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's when I found out that Jake didn't use a Xbox 360 controller for that game. I yeah. know. I, I played mouse and keyboard. Um. I've gone through much persecution for this, but I beat the game. I, so I won't persecute you further at, at this juncture. <laughs> right. It'll be when we get off the call. But um, <laughs> Mike, would you say this is like anytime I see an isometric game, I default personally to using a controller. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you enjoyed with a controller or more so a keyboard and mouse? What do you think I, works best? I didn't, I haven't tried playing with the keyboard and mouse. Um, so I've I've purely played it with a controller. Um, it felt like it was a natural fit for a controller. But again, yeah. if you know, 
somebody like Jake who has played Hades with mouse and keyboard. A degenerate, you can say it. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would imagine for some people, it's just going to be easier to play on mouse and keyboard. Um, yeah. Coincidentally, like when the game actually first released, um, controller support was broken, so you had to play with mouse and keyboard. And really? Hmm. I actually refunded the game because... <laughs> I didn't want to play it because it didn't have uh, good controller support. I like how on the third attempt, at first yeah. you're like, I'm going to ignore this game. Then you're mm-hmm. like, I'm going to refund this game. And now you're like, uh-huh. I'm here on a podcast talking about this game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I like this though, Hard because I haven't, I haven't really heard of someone else like refunding a game and then considering picking something back up. I've done this. I haven't picked it back up yet, but I refunded Hyperlight Drifter, mm. which otherwise... Like, I love the music. I loved everything, all this stuff. But, like, I just was not in a mood to play that game at the time. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've, I don't know if it's a regret because I have, like, tons of unplayed games. But I yeah. considered getting that again. So maybe there's hope. Maybe maybe the, the lesson from the last hour of discussion for Curse of the Dead Gods is that there's hope for Hyperlight Drifter. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to go back and try something on a whim. Something like, you forgot was in your Steam library. Like FTL. Yeah. All right. Jokes aside, guys. <laughs> let's, uh... <laughs> let's wrap it up. <laughs> um, so uh, how how um, do you, I assume you recommend this game as you're coming on to talk about it. How do you think it stacks up to other games in that space? Like, like Hades or like Hades is really high tier. If you say yeah. that this is like anywhere within like two or three steps from Hades, that's pretty high praise, I think. Yeah. Um, I would say if you, if you enjoy roguelikes and that's mm-hmm. primarily what you play, definitely pick it up. Cause it, it, it mm-hmm. has interesting mechanics and um, is a, is a good challenge. Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking for any sort of story, probably avoid it because it has basically none. Um right. What if yeah. I'm already challenged? Um, that's that's a discussion for a different time, I think. <laughs> okay, that's <fair. laughs> But yeah, you know, I, I I would give it a solid uh, seven out of ten. So yeah, I, I would recommend it to most people. You heard it here first. Yeah. Probably not, but hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Um, well, uh, as I said, it's on my wish list, so. Keep that in mind. I remember if that comes around in a year. Um, but uh, thank you, Mike, for coming back on to talk about uh, Curse of the Dead Gods. It's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have back. you. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It was. Uh, <laughs> I see that look. <laughs> the eye contact. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. No, no worries. Uh, we are always happy to have more content, and these guest episodes are like, man. I don't know whether it was myself or Dave came up with this, but freaking yeah. great idea. Yeah. It was definitely Dave's pointing at himself, so I assume <laughs> it was me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, thanks for being on, and thank you to our listeners uh, for listening to another episode of Soapstone. Um, as always, you can reach out to us with feedback at soapstonepodcast at gmail.com, or you can join the discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. And as always... We'll see you in the next one. Have a good night. Have a good one.